Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Some pastors are really reticent to talk about, you know, the fact that if their theology is, you have sinned by, by taking your life. Aquinas equated suicide with self-murder. And that's where we see the basis of a lot of stigma historically. Yes. But mm-hmm. biblically, there were many suicides, but they were never morally objected to. They, they, they were just explained. There has traditionally been a stigma surrounding discussion of the topic of suicide and the church. But today, former Army combat chaplain Glenn Bloomstrom offers some very practical advice about a very difficult topic on how to start the conversation. Welcome back to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, I'm glad you've joined us on Life Support. And this is uh, another day we're going to be talking about an important topic. And what we do here is we want you to find a deeper relationship with Jesus through suffering and trauma. And if that doesn't really equate We're going to let you know how that happens because Jesus is alive and well, and when there's pain, Jesus always shows up. And so we tell redemptive stories here, and we've got a a really uh, great guest that is an expert at what he does in a very important topic. His name is Glenn Bloomstrom. He's a retired chaplain, and he is also now the Director of Faith Community Engagement at Living Works. And uh, Glenn, thanks for being here. When you mentioned that, you, you know, you're based in, in Calgary, you know, I, I've got this Canadian blood in me now because I pastored up there for 10 years. And so I always think, well, good, there's something happening in Canada. It's great. Calgary's a beautiful city. It's a beautiful city, yeah. but I'm not based in Calgary. You know, I am a Minnesota native. <laughs> so, uh, right, but I get to go up there every now and then and it is just spectacular. It really is. I don't think people know. You know, Glacier uh, and Banff are right up there next to Calgary, and so, mm-hmm. and one moment you're in the plains, and you know, 40 minutes later you're in some of the most spectacular scenery you've ever mm-hmm. seen. Well, what we're talking about today is a very serious topic, but it's not a taboo topic. Um, we're talking about suicide, suicide intervention, and I do just want to go back briefly to what we talked about last time together because. You mentioned we've got to use this word. We've got to stop making this word taboo. Why is that so important? That's right. Well, a person with thoughts of suicide is, we, we believe, is consciously or unconsciously inviting people to ask about their thoughts. And there's ambivalence. A part of them wants to live and a part of them wants to die. And so... When a person is consciously or unconsciously inviting us, we need to be clear about what we're responding to in that invitation. And so if we use the word, are you thinking of doing something silly or stupid? Are you thinking of hurting yourself or harming yourself? No, no. I'm thinking about suicide. And so we should use that same word. We won't cause it. And if a person says, no, I'm not thinking about that, but wow, um, thanks for asking. Uh, we did a training out here in the suburbs of, of the Twin Cities, and, and my brother-in-law is a, is a care pastor. 
and uh, he hosted our four-hour safe dog training here. And, you know, he's in a very affluent uh, suburb. And when I saw him a couple months ago, he said, Glenn, you're not going to believe it. And I knew exactly what he was going to say. Uh, he, I said, so how many interventions have you, you done? And he said, six. I said, really? And uh, he just, it wasn't on the radar for him mm -hmm. to ask when he was talking to people who were really desperate. Mm -hmm. And it was very clear when he used the word suicide and they were surprised, but had, it had been going around in their head. And they were able to get help. Yeah, I think there's a fear of offending them or a fear of pushing them over the edge, right? And that's why we kind of like tiptoe around right. too much. Or catastrophizing what we're sensing. Yeah. You know, and mm -hmm. so good training will help to prevent that from happening. And a lot of the times I t tell people who come to our workshops, hey, I've just been to a suicide intervention workshop. So this is really big on my, on my radar right now. But some of the things you're telling me make me want to ask, are you thinking about suicide? Mm. In fact, we mm -hmm. had a, a farm, an agricultural workshop once, and, and somebody, we were on a break, and, and in walked a, a person in the training and said, you're not going to believe this. I just got a call from someone. And he said, hey, I'm in training right now. And the person said, yeah, I know. You're in suicide prevention training, and that's why I'm calling you. I haven't been able to get out of bed for the last couple Days. Oh, wow. I'm really scared. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. his training, when people know you're trained in that, they might ask. Yeah. And so we need to be ready. Yeah, and, and you have people there that are, you know, they're, they're, they know that they're going, their thoughts are dark and they're scared about where this might take them. And so reaching out for help and finding a person that really knows how to help can be an amazing gift to them, yes. right? Yes, and generally, pastors are available, accessible, free, confidential, yep. and so, and people of faith. You know, I'm a big believer in what we call natural helpers. I think there are coaches and teachers, even janitors in schools, that are approachable mm -hmm. by students. Yep. You know, and these are the kinds of people, just like CPR that need to be trained in a higher level of suicide intervention skills. Yeah, and believe me, pastors are pastors because they want to be pastors, and so they want to help, That's and so right. training is, is vital. Um, when a suicide happens, I'm only going to guess there's a tremendous ripple effect that takes place. Who's actually affected when a tragedy like this takes place? Well... The research that has come out in the last few years is that as many as 135 people are exposed to every suicide. Wow. And then 38% of those people would, be, would classify themselves as close or very close. So let's think about the statistics in Minnesota. So our last statistics were pandemics statistics from 2020. There were 723 suicide deaths. However, in 2019, we had a record in the state of 830 deaths by suicide. So let's start with 2019. If we multiply that times 135, that's 112,000 people in Minnesota that have been affected in 2019. Wow. And of that, 
that 38% who would say they're close or very close, that's 42,000. So if some of those people are struggling or fragile themselves in, in life circumstances that cause them to be thinking of suicide, that's a lot of people. Yeah. So you think, oh, 800, 830 people out of whatever are 2.5 or 3 million here in Minnesota. 112 people exposed and 42,000 people close or very close. That's pretty high. But let's think about the rural community. Mm. You're in a 500-person town. Yep. Everybody knows the names of families. There's an ambulance that showed up down the street. It won't take long for people to figure out, hey, something happened. Oh, no, somebody, somebody, oh, who lives there? Well, I know those people. I know that family name. A lot more people are exposed, and there's a lot more fear and stigma in, a, in rural settings than there is. And that all drives it underground because people talk, and people are not prepared to know how to talk about it in a way that encourages help. So it just isn't mentioned. Right, right, right. And and I'll I'll tell you, you know, I mentioned this last time, but the way, um, you know, I understand confidentiality for families, and and I get all of that. But the way the news media reports these now, uh, somebody disappeared, um, found two days later. Right. No cause of death, no nothing. So then, then you're left to go, Oh, I wonder. And then it's a stick. Then it becomes taboo because you're you're not sure you should be thinking that, but it all kind of lines up, right? And then you find out later that it was, and then you right. go like, yeah, but why? Why are we so afraid to? And, and I understand. I do get yeah. it. Like families are private. They, you know, they're 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 grieving and all of that. Mm-hmm. But um, if people could be helped by just being able to say the word. Um, and you mentioned a rural town. I mean, these are people that they may have gone to school with that person. That's right. You know, they may see them at the store three or four times a week. Right. They're they're going to be shocked. They're going to be in trauma. They're going to be uh, grieving, and they're not going to know what to do either. Right. Well, let's think about this. Uh, we have a high growth in numbers among elderly white males. Hmm. So. You've got a very independent veteran or a very self-sufficient uh, farmer or rancher. I Quote, I'm not going to use up all my life savings for this terminal illness that I have. So I'm going to uh, save myself and my family some money, and I'm going to take my own life. Well, that's not a legacy you want to live or leave yeah. because... Your great nieces and nephews, your great grandchildren will say, well, uncle, great uncle did it, or great grandpa did it, I can do it too. So mm-hmm. there is something mm-hmm. wonderful about dying well yes. and, 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 and leaving a legacy of a testimony of a future and a hope with Christ. That is a legacy we want to leave, even in the midst of intense physical suffering in the final stages of life. We are pointing to the hope that is before us. Yeah, and the glory of God in that. Pastor Paul will be back with retired Army Chaplain Glenn Bloomstrom in just a moment. Today's discussion is centered around mental health 
And there's a new video series from Five Stone Media called Caring for Mental Health, created to start the conversation and eliminate the stigma. It's practical steps all of us can take to come alongside those who suffer. It's real stories of real people with commentary from mental health professionals and pastors. Caring for Mental Health is offered at no cost and facilitator training is offered at lifesupportresources.org. That's lifesupportresources.org. And now, back to Pastor Paul. But I can only imagine, so you know, you talked about training clergy, and so now you've got a pastor that has to do that funeral of that person in the small town. Indeed. So now nobody wants to talk about that. The pastor's going to have the whole town in front of him. He's thinking, how am I going to talk about this? And I'll tell you, as a pastor, whenever this subject comes up, um, I want to talk about the hope of Christ. I want to talk about eternal security. I want to talk about the fact that, um, you know, a Holy Spirit indwelled believer is sealed by the Holy Spirit. And then I think, but am I giving people permission then? Right, right. Well, And so that's really tricky. Yes. Well, you have experience um, doing a suicide memorial and yep. suicide funeral, and so do I. And of course we want to talk about the things in that person's life. Mm-hmm. We do not want to define that person by the way that he or she died. Right. That's important. Yep. And we want to point to the hope of the resurrection and their relationship with Christ. Let me just make this a very clear point. If someone struggles with mental illness and dies by it or struggles with a crisis and acts on suicidal thoughts, that is not an action that will condemn them to hell. Yeah, amen. You Thank know, you for saying that. You know, it, it's it, but yet that belief lingers, and in some ways, Paul, it keeps people from acting on it. So we don't want to give people permission to act on it theologically. Right. God is the giver of life. He also takes life in his time. He is sovereign over life and death. That's what we want to emphasize. But back to the, so we want to celebrate their life in a memorial or funeral, but also we don't want to glorify, especially in terms of youth. Mm-hmm. We want to balance a safety message for other youth who might be thinking of suicide. And so mm-hmm. I, I always emphasize this when I'm in a church setting, that a, a, a suicide funeral is what we call postvention after a death. But it also can become prevention when we say something like, it's a tragedy that this young person didn't reach out for help. We don't even need to use the suicide word. Although, as a pastor, I would really encourage you to talk to the family, anyone, to talk to the family about using that word. And then have a prevention message. And yeah, I've, you're teaching. Yeah, you, you teaching. literally are teaching people about seeking help mm-hmm. in the midst for youth. This mm-hmm. is extremely confusing, but yet... If we glorify, in other words, if we memorialize and we plant a tree or we have a picture of the young person, another young person say, well, I want that too. And I've been thinking myself, and if they do that here, so the, the message there is, please, 
we want you to seek help. Life is precious. No matter what your situation, seek help. And also, I've heard it said, I want you to think of that person, and after this funeral or memorial, I want you to go to that person and tell them, you're the person I would talk to if I were ever in crisis. Oh, that's very good. It, it's just yeah. a beautiful uh, way to, to help and to encourage help seek. Because most pastors know how to give the gospel yes. and desire to give the gospel. Absolutely. And people need the gospel. Mm-hmm. But that's an element that I don't think we think about very often, that mm-hmm. element that you just... And, and that's going to help me a lot. Mm-hmm. So thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. So outside of the funeral, outside of when it's already happened, before it's happened... What can a pastor do? You you mentioned pastors are free, they're available, they're they, they want to help. They're confidential. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So so how? What are some things that pastors can do to um, intervene in someone's life that needs help? Well, for me, I believe still that the church, the faith community, is the most viable social institution that we still have in America. And so we can do a lot to encourage people to seek help and to train people to be to be ready uh, if, if friends or family or neighbors are struggling with suicide. I, I have a colleague, Karen Mason. She's a professor at Gordon-Conwell Seminary, and she's just written a wonderful book with... Uh, um, uh, homiletics professor out there at Gordon called Preaching Hope in Darkness, Help for Pastors in Addressing Suicide from the Pulpit. Mm. And so she has really seven fences of prevention. I, I, I won't go into a lot of detail on all these, but I think it's just so good uh, just to balance out and to include suicide in these things. Number one, uh, when we preach to talk about connection. Uh, preach and teach on connection to others. You know, we have a lot of folks that come in and then they leave and they're still very isolated in our churches. Yep. So connecting uh, to to people, to God is present all the time. Christians are members of God's family. And if you're far from home, connect with people, you know. Secondly, uh, preach and teach on the worth and dignity of every person. Uh, preach and teach on hope. We do that a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, these are, are are very important things. But also, preach and teach on moral objections to suicide and reasons to live. And that's where now we begin to talk about suicide leaves a legacy, mm-hmm. and we need to we need to be trained in how to intervene. And it's not a sin that condemns a person to hell. Right. But the other piece is, with talking about reasons to live, give people with lived experience an opportunity to tell their story. Mm-hmm. You know, because there are 1.4 million attempts in the United States every year. Wow. Uh, compared to about 50,000 deaths by suicide. Then uh, talk about self-control and to develop the habit of choosing life. Now, these are for people that consistently struggle. I'm excited about Celebrate Recovery. I think they're in a lot of churches around the country. They need a lot more training. CR needs to have more training, and we've done that in local churches with CR. But in part of that recovery piece, you know, with self-control and, and, and habits of choosing life, that really weaves in nice with mental health ministry yeah. and with suicide prevention training. Talk about grief. 
deepen the theology of suffering for all people. Yeah. And then finally, encourage people of faith to reach out for help by having them equipped with training that gives them the courage and skills to do so. And many of those concepts are distinctly Christian concepts. I mean, you're talking about the dignity of human beings. You're talking about the grace of this not leading to eternal damnation. You're talking about a lot of things there that belong in a church. Yes. And that we should be saying. Yes. And some pastors are really reticent to talk about, you know, the fact that if their theology is, you have sinned by by taking your life. Aquinas equated suicide with self-murder. And that's where we see the basis of a lot of stigma historically. Yes. But mm-hmm. biblically, there were many suicides, but they were never morally objected to. They, they, they were just explained. Jonah wanted to die. Paul in Philippians 1 said, it is better for me to be with Christ, but for your joy, I, I choose to stay. And then 2 Corinthians 2, he said, we despaired of life. 2 mm-hmm. Corinthians 2, 8. Yep. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So we see all this, but that stigma keeps people in hiding. And so what we really want to encourage as we pray for people with suicide, as we talk about people and give them the chance to tell their story, we're now recognizing that suicide is part of being human Mm -hmm. and is kind of connected really to the fall still. We're not perfect. I would say more than kind of connected. <laughs> uh, it's a result of the, it's, it's it a result of the fall, all it of this. Is. And, and you mentioned the theology of suffering. Um, that's important too. And I would encourage you to find out what suffering is all about in Scripture because it is part of life after the fall. All right, living, um, living water. Living, Living works. works. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me how to access that. Okay. And what do I do right now if I'm listening and I'm going, oh, I might have a problem. I, 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 I've had these thoughts. Or I have a friend right. who's had these thoughts. Well, if you or a friend is thinking about suicide and struggling, 988 is the, the, the best resource to talk to somebody right away and to find out where you can go. Um, but secondly, if you have a friend or family member, the company I work for, it's not a faith-based company, Living Works, www.livingworks.net. We have a 90-minute training that will help you and give you skills to talk about this. And after you go through it, it's called Living Works Start. You can do it on your tablet, on your phone, on your computer. And then as you talk to somebody, use the word suicide. Are you thinking of suicide. There's no uh, doubt what you're talking about. And if a person says yes, you can call 988 and you can talk, hear where to go, and be with that person. Go with them to any of the resources that that person might choose. And if they will not follow up, then then you have to kind of insist and say, hey, you know, I don't want to take a chance. I'm not going to keep this a secret. Right. We have to go somewhere. Yeah. 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 That's great. Great yeah. advice. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you're uh, interested in this topic. I'm glad that you've taken the, you know, you followed the call of God to, to pursue it. It's super important, especially in the kind of world we live in where people are so isolated and, 
And uh, many of these topics are not talked about. So, Glenn, thank you very much. Thank you, Paul, for really having great me. counsel. Real One privilege. more time, the website. Yes, www.livingworks.net. We also have an online six-hour program that features Paul. <laughs> Paul is one of the people in there called Living Works Faith. So if you would like to gift this to your pastor, it will prepare him or her to engage in the full spectrum of suicide prevention intervention, start is built into that training, and then what to do for funerals and memorials. Again, well, I think that a lot program, of pastors would appreciate that. Yes, Living Works Faith is that program. Okay, got mm-hmm. it. Glenn, thanks a lot. Thank you, Paul. Hey, and if you're wondering, you know, like, what what is this thing about connection? What is this thing about, um, Glenn talked about, it's important to be connected to others. I was thinking of James 5.14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And that verse is both for spiritual issues, for physical issues. The point is, you have leaders in your church, likely, if you're a church person. uh, Reach out to them. Reach out for help. Reach out to a friend. Uh, Reach out to someone who can minister to you. And, and help you do what Glenn just said. And I will guarantee you that if you reach out to your church leaders, they may not know exactly what to do, but they desire to help you. And so just don't keep this under wraps, okay? And I want to thank you for listening to Life Support because um, this is what we talk about, these important topics. I want to thank Faith Radio for all of their support at MyFaithRadio.com. Five Stone Media offers a video a portion of this podcast at fivestonemedia.com and you can check us out here at Ridgewood Church and I will say one of our goals here at Ridgewood is to be an authentic church that is transparent and vulnerable and so if you're struggling we'd love to meet you at myrwc.org thanks a lot for listening and we'll catch you next time right here on Life Support Thanks for listening to this Life Support Podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.